When today's guest was in grade eight, he had to move cities. Lots of different um, connections with people and like you kind of, you meet people and then, you know, you can't talk to them anymore. And it's, I don't know, just lots of challenges, but to like sum it up, moving cities is not fun. Growing Through It shares stories from young people who all have the common experience of being a part of Roots to Harvest, a human-centered, food-focused, not-for-profit in Thunder Bay, Ontario. As a heads up, this episode talks about OCD and working through that as a young person. Check out the show notes for resources in Canada. Uh, (laughs) I guess we'll uh, start off by asking you how you first heard about Roots to Harvest. So the first uh, intro I had to them was actually just through the uh, Adult Education Centre. They were just an opportunity that came up to like get an extra credit. And um, it was actually a lot more than I um, expected it to be in it. Like I made a lot of great connections. I had a really great time in their cooking for cred program and met a lot of fantastic people. We, uh, some of us still talk today, like we learned a ton in the process. After the program, I was lucky enough to receive an opportunity to uh, work with them in a summer intern position. And it really expanded my mind in agriculture and motivated me to take passion in growing and cooking food. The connection between people and those things. So what sort of dishes did you make um, in the Cooking for Cred program? We actually did a, like a lot of different things, like things I haven't even cooked before. So I'm pretty sure we cooked goat one day. Um, there was like pasta from like fresh, which I've only seen done. So doing it myself was really really interesting and very difficult as well. (laughs) It all stuck together and it was a mess, but at least I know how to do it now. (laughs) Would you be able to say that like you gathered skills that you're able to still use today? Absolutely. Um, They actually were the first ones to ever teach me how to like carve a chicken. So that was a little botched at first and it looked terrible, but now I can actually do it with being able to see the separate parts of (laughs) the chicken. So that's good. Yeah, they were, uh, they taught me a lot and um, I really appreciate the the experience that I had with them. And what was the position that you had working with them in the summertime? It was through, I believe it was the show program initially, but when COVID had started, it turned to like something different. So it wasn't exactly what it was previously, where they had like kind of gone to farms and were able to go around the city a little bit more. Yeah, mainly on Lily Street. Uh, we worked at the garden um, under Gavin, Jana, and um, a couple other uh, supervisors. Yeah, we just basically the whole summer, we just grew vegetables. We sold them at the market on um, Wednesday. It was three days a week. One of the days we kind of just done like did like maintenance and um, just general upkeep of the garden. And um, yeah, learned a lot with that too. They uh they definitely went over a fair amount of things. And uh, like the marketing aspect of selling vegetables was like really new to me, but I mean, it worked out good. What was your favorite aspect of working with Roots to Harvest? Kind of hard to like just say one thing. There was a lot that I really enjoyed, but if I had to like pick one was, it'd probably be the connection and like how they go throughout the community and just like kind of go above and beyond. I really appreciate what they mean for, you know, our city. I feel like they kind of take the time to, you know, work with people and uh, do the best they can and whatever they do. So I just have to say like, you know, what they stand for. So how did it feel to be first involved working with Rooster Harvest? Um, very family-like. Like at first, you know, you meet people and like, you know, it's like a little bit skeptical at first, but like, I, I feel like I really enjoyed them for 
what they stood for. Like I felt at home at Roots to Harvest. They were just really good to me. And I, um, anytime I was uh, working with them or associated with them in any way, I just felt supported. So what I found interesting, what you're talking about, like with Roots to Harvest, I liked how you mentioned the aspect of community. And I was wondering how you would define community in your, in your own words. Okay. So like mainly, I really thought that they like really understood what was going on with like their city. They knew where to help. They knew what was going on with, you know, people's struggles. What Like when they COVID hit and um, food insecurities became maybe more of a, an issue for some uh, families, they still, they stepped up and they like turned their kitchen into like this crazy food processing machine that like sent out tons of meals to all these people. And um, they actually support the place that I work now through um, just like a community partnership and they kind of send things in and they've done this for a long time. And like, I just feel like they really value supporting anything they can. And they also like, they have, it's going to sound corny, but they have roots in the community and they really enjoy bringing in um, people of all ethnicities and backgrounds to share their knowledge as well. Like they're very connected with uh, the elders in the community. And I, like, I learned a lot that I never thought I would even, you know, have the opportunity to, you know, see. And, uh, you know, we learned about the sacred herbs. We learned about, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I, this, uh, there's four medicines. I believe it's cedar. There's tobacco. There's, <laughs> I should know this. Um, can we <laughs> sage and sweet grass? Sage and sweet grass. Yeah. I'm sorry. So yeah, I'm just a little nervous. Um, but they um went above and beyond to kind of teach us uh about all of these you know backgrounds and you know show us where uh where our roots come from. Yeah, I really just I think that they have a good connection with the community and you know understand what what needs to happen. So would you say that roots to harvest has helped shape your worldview? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely different perspectives and, you know, open my mind to a lot of different things. So would you say that like maybe you yourself as a person has have changed like from who you were prior to working the roots and who you are now? I think it, like generally I'm still the same person at my core, but like definitely just opened my mind to like different aspects of life and like what mattered. And, you know, always I think, you know, there, but just like without having somebody explain something to you or like uh, introduce you to an idea. Sometimes it just goes un unheard, right? So yeah, definitely, I would say yes. I also took part in the cooking for cred program, and I also remember like terribly butchering a chicken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like yeah. this was like in my third day in. Yeah, I was, it was early. On. Yeah, and there was like so many skills and different types of food you like learn how to cook. Yes, and I really enjoyed that. I was wondering how have you like applied the skills you learned through Roots to Harvest to other areas of your life? I was cooking uh, beforehand, so I had a little bit of prior knowledge, but like they kind of got me involved with another job that was cooking as well. And, uh, you know, it worked out really good for, for both parties. And like, it was just a mutual benefit on both, uh, both grounds. So they kind of taught me um, more of the skills related to like, I guess, like mass producing food. I kind of did like more 
sm- small dish by dish before and it was like not necessarily fancy so like being able to like actually butcher a chicken or learn know how to make raw pasta from raw rather than just like cooking cisco food in like a deep fryer was like a big change right so definitely like more practical skills more like hands-on things like they kind of taught you like the like where food comes from and how to process it and you know how it gets to the kitchen and like the connection between all those things and you know the people and everything that goes into it rather than just being like oh well here's this pre-made thing throw it in the deep fryer and be done with it so i guess to answer your question more accurately like it's taught me to appreciate food more and you know respect what goes into it rather than just being like oh yeah it's easy to cook it's not yeah. <laughs> So would you say it's important to know like where your food comes from? Yes, absolutely. Like sometimes people will go to like, I don't know, a restaurant and be like, wow, what was that? That was amazing. And it's like actually just like this big barbecue sauce. And it says like Jack Daniels fanciness. And I'm like, no, I cooked there. That was that was not fancy. (laughs) So like when people cook for themselves or like, you know, like understand what goes into their food, I think they have like a different respect for like just what goes into their body right like a lot of the time people are like oh whatever i'll just eat and like food is fuel food is like what you feed your mind and you know it just it is a big big aspect of anybody's life i mean everybody's got to eat and like preparing food and like the connection between people is huge in my eyes like i never necessarily saw it as being that before but like you know just it's more than uh just something that you have to do every day i i think and you know it to answer your previous question, I guess it opened my mind to that a little bit more as well. So it did change my perspective a bit on that, but not necessarily wasn't ever there. Just, you know, they've changed a lot of things about me. And I think that uh, they were all very positive. Is this something you keep in mind or practice when cooking for yourself at home? I actually, <laughs> to be honest, uh, I don't always cook for myself at home. I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> like I'll I'll go cook at work all day and I'll be like, I like I'll have like a sandwich over the garbage and I'll be like, yes, no dishes. But like, yes, when I'm cooking, I, it, I definitely keep those ideals in the back of my head that, like, you know, this chicken is like <laughs> came from somewhere and like, you know, it had to be processed. And like, that's a whole other that's a long <laughs> you know story on that. Like I, local farms are actually really good. But like, I mean, that's expensive. And like I said, long answer. But Yes, I definitely keep the the ideals in that, you know, in the back of my head that everything that they taught me is uh, still still stuck to this day. Sorry for the long answers. <laughs> <laughs> you shared with us some of the major challenges that you faced. One of them was um moving cities. How did how did this go and impact you? It sucked. <laughs> like it was at a really not great time either. Like I was just like transitioning into high school. I was like grade 8, grade 9 and um my family uh, kind of had to switch some stuff up and my mom moved to Toronto for a bit. And um, I ended up uh, going there for a year or two. And like, it just, I don't know, lots of different um, like connections with people. And like, you kind of, you meet people and then, you know, you can't talk to them anymore. And it's, I don't know, just lots of challenges, but to like sum it up, uh, like moving cities is not fun. So <laughs> we eventually moved back and um, yeah, I mean, that, suck too because like the connections you made there you know you move away again and then it's i don't know it's just lame but I, I mean i've known people to have moved cities their whole life so i'm not saying it's like the worst thing but it's not fun so with that being said do you wish like almost you had stayed in toronto or are you glad to be back almost 
either one or the other, like move once. (laughs) But I mean, that was kind of beyond my control at the time. So, yeah. And so that being said, do you find that um, being moved around as a child like impacted your mental health? Yeah, I would say that it definitely didn't like help. (laughs) Like, you know, just there's so much more going on with, you know, kids at that time. And I mean, I'm not saying that like, you know, it's something that can't be dealt with, but like people sometimes like just turn a blind eye to it and be like, oh, well, whatever, you know, hopefully they'll figure it out. And like, I think that that's like such a fundamental time in like a lot of people's lives, like switching so much up on them is not, not great. But uh, I mean, again, um, people have dealt with a lot, um, you know, like moving cities like their whole life. So it's not um, necessarily terrible, but it's, I I don't think it helps. You'd also shared that um, that possibly one of your biggest challenges um, was dealing with depression and anxiety. When did you first discover that you had depression and anxiety? I've dealt with it for most of my life, but like it was diagnosed 17 years ago, 15 years ago. So basically, as long as I can remember, I had a hard time with a lot of things and I was unable to go to work and, you know, go to school or like eventually like I couldn't even leave my house. So. Yeah, I was like in and out of the hospital, had a really rough time getting back on my feet and uh, kind of felt like I missed a huge part of my life. But again, I, you know, things happen and uh, it's not any, anything that you can uh, kind of be upset about and just kind of move forward. So how did it feel um, when you first um, were, were diagnosed? Like, how did you receive news? <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, I was pretty young at the time. I cried, but yeah, uh, it sucks. People don't always like, respect like mental health you know and then it's kind of like if you have a diagnosis it sucks because it's like oh well yeah now this is part of me so i mean i don't know it wasn't the greatest feeling um to be completely honest but i mean kind of accepting it and like being able to like work with it was also uh, a big aspect of uh, moving forward so would you say like being diagnosed at a young age was actually like really difficult for you yeah yeah it sucked (laughs) i wasn't happy Because, you know, like, I don't know, when you're younger, I think your, like, ideologies and perspectives are definitely different. So, like, you know, you think of mental health as, I mean, anyways, I did at the time as, like, a crazy person in an asylum. And it's, like, kind of portrayed that way when you're younger, I think. And, like, being able to educate kids on, like, what it actually is and, like, the wide variety of things it may, you know, actually be is very important. Because I always just thought it was, like like very severe, but like it was actually something I was able to live with and deal with. But like at the time, it just felt like a really big deal. You also mentioned that um, you were heavily medicated and it felt like that you missed a huge part of your life. Like when did you realize that maybe medication or that specific medication wasn't working for you? It's not that it wasn't working. I think medication has its place and uh, it did help me, but being able to kind of get off of those medications as well and like get back to like life was, was a big deal. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of researched the the side effects of, uh, you know, what I was on and like looked at what it was for and it was like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. So, you know, not to go too much into like the details, but it was, uh, I think I always knew exactly like that. I didn't want to be on that medication, but like, I also think that, uh, there's a time and a place for it. It did work. And, uh, I mean, you know, you can't just be like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to drink tea and herbs and, you know, be cured. And I understand that that does work for some people, but like, 
it didn't work for me at the time. And I think it does, you know, medication has a place, but uh, again, always knew I didn't want to be on it. Were there people that you were able to reach out during such times? Yeah, I was lucky enough to have a really supportive family. They didn't really give up on me. Uh, again, I was in and out of the hospital. So, I mean, that was uh, not, not something I wanted to do, but like probably the best thing for me at the time. So, yeah, I don't know, like a bit of tough love and uh, like just family was, was a big, big aspect. So I was, I was lucky to have that uh, kind of at my disposal. Was there like a specific point in time where you realized that you needed support specifically? I think other people did before I did. I definitely like when you're struggling, I don't think you want to like reach out necessarily. Like usually when people are down, like they're kind of, you know, not really worried about much else, I guess. So I guess like having somebody else kind of like give you a hand and be like, hey, like, you know, you can can get through this is like a, a big deal. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question very well, but <laughs> that's my idea. When you're moving forward in your life, what were some coping mechanisms that you like acquired to like help you change perspectives on mental health? Honestly, like going to sound kind of crappy, but like not a lot. Like I tried breathing exercises and like, you know, like being able to meditate and like kind of let things come to fruition and, uh, you know, like just go with it. I don't know if that is a great answer, but that's pretty much all I was able to do. Being OCD, I did actually go through the exposure routes. I don't know like if anybody has dealt with that or like if anybody maybe listens to this interview and, you know, may have went through that. It might suck at first, but like it did work. So like uh, general exposure therapy is what worked for me. I know there's different like levels of OCD and like, especially, you know, now like people just have generalized anxiety and maybe it does, you know, go into that a little bit. So basically there wasn't like a whole lot that was, I could just be like, oh yeah, this is going to make it a hundred percent better. It's a struggle. And, uh, you know, just being able to move forward and like, kind of like do as most as you can that day and like, just do better than you did the previous day is probably the, the best advice I have. Just trying to, you know, keep moving in a positive direction. Do you mind sharing, um, a little bit more about what exposure therapy is? Yeah, sure. Um, basically like my specific uh, case of OCD was like related to like hand washing and like germs and whatnot. So like not to get too much into it, not like too many details, but like you have to train your brain to be okay with those things. So like, you know, if you don't like to touch the garbage, try to touch the garbage or whatever for like, I don't know, maybe like five seconds or whatever, and then be done with it. I don't know. It Like there's a lot of different methods and it's not like easy to like say like this one works or this one doesn't, or like, I think it's kind of specific case by case, but like in my case, what worked was, was generalized uh, exposure therapy. So it's like, you kind of work your tolerance up over time, I suppose. So like maybe a smoker would, would like, you know, be quitting smoking and like, you know, instead of smoking a pack a day, they'd have like half a pack or something like, or, you know, like maybe less than that or whatever, like over time, you're kind of trying to move in a positive direction or like undo some of the things that are bothering you. So maybe like, like doing it all at once is not good. I think uh, that's overwhelming for a lot of people. So yeah, being uncomfortable maybe for a shorter period of time or whatever is like what worked for me. And maybe it, 
it's not exactly being uncomfortable. Like there's a lot that goes through your head when like, you know, you have something that's bothering you that much. So yeah, like, I don't know if that is the best way to explain it, but I mean, that's what my perspective of, of it is. So would you advise like other people trying exposure therapy to be mindful of their exposure and their limitations? Yeah. When they're ready though, like it, it's not always the thing you have at your disposal, but time is a good, a good thing to have. Making sure that you don't bite off more that you can chew and, you know, making sure you're not moving backwards is, is a big aspect. So, you know, it, if you're moving forward at like one step a day, I mean, at least you're moving forward, right? Like just sometimes, it, you know, you do fall back, but just always make sure that, you know, you do end up going in a positive direction and, you know, don't get stuck in the mud. You said when you think about your future, something you look forward to is doing better than you did the previous day and moving forward in that positive direction. How did you obtain this mindset? Family and friends, you know, just being like, hey, like, you know, you could do this, you know, like, don't give up on yourself. And, you know, just I I did have some like good uh, counselors as well. So um, I was um, involved with the Children's Center in uh, Thunder Bay and um, they had somebody there that I really connected with. And, you know, I had uh, built a relationship with over, you know, eight years of uh, when I did finally end up uh, kind of dealing with this affliction. And uh, yeah, that I guess outside perspectives really make a, make a difference and, you know, like positive ones. So associating with like good people and like making sure that, you know, you're just trying to, trying to do good, I guess helps. <laughs> it's easier said than done though. Like a lot of the time I just said, heck it. And, you know, it's fun to go to parties and drink and, you know, do whatever, but like making sure that, you know, I did eventually like get the help that I needed was a big part of it. Like, you know, just realizing that and like, you know, reaching out a little bit as well, like making sure that you're honest with people and like, you know, they're able to, you know, know exactly what you're going through. If they're willing to help, that is. <laughs> and, you know, that's not to say that you want to do that with everybody. You don't want to, you know, tell the world your story or whatever, but there is some people that, you know, can be of assistance, I think. And, you know, finding that is a big deal. So what are some things that you've been doing these days that fill your bucket, so to speak? <laughs> That's hard to say right now because COVID is like really challenging. I'm generally like more of a stay at home person and, you know, I like to kind of keep to myself, but uh, I guess um, helping other people is is a, a really big aspect of my life. Like I like to see people happy, you know, when I'm around or associated with groups and like somebody's like kind of an, like, I don't know, sometimes people like feel like they're on the outside or like they're an outcast. Like I don't like to see people like be feeling sad. So I don't know, to help other people because people help me. So yeah, <laughs> just trying to, trying to pay it forward. So is it the help that you receive that makes you want to do the same for others? Absolutely. You said another one of the important turning points in your life was changing friendships and associating with crowds that were more aligned with the values and principles you agree with. When did your values and principles like make that noticeable change where you noticed that the people you were hanging out with around weren't it anymore? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I think I always had the same values and like, you know, things that I held true to believe in. Um, but like throughout high school, like people kind of like develop and go down different roads and like you don't you don't really know exactly who you are. I don't think uh, it's just like you're kind of still like learning a lot about life and like, you know, just everything. So I guess if I had to like put a specific timestamp on it, it'd be like when my friends like and I like you know, just kind of didn't 
see eye to eye anymore on like what was fun. Like their ideas of what they wanted to do and what they wanted to achieve were different than mine. And like, I still like those people to this day, but like, you know, just, just different paths, I guess. And like, just being able to reflect on that and be like, Hey, this probably isn't really good for me or like what I want to do. Like, this isn't going to work out, you know, 10 years from now, I want to be in a different spot than what, you know, they're going in. And like, you know, it's like, you can't just say like, Oh, well, you know, like that's a lost cause, but like, sometimes you got to rip the bandaid off and do what's better for yourself. Unfortunately. And what was that like? Like, how did it feel to rip that bandaid off? Nobody likes to lose friends. Even those friends are like, what the heck did I do wrong? Right. And like, it sucks because like you, like, it's kind of like when you build friendships and then move away, like you, you, you know, you spend a lot of time with people or like, you know, that's like you build this foundation and then it's like kind of gone. It's like, it feels like a waste of time, I guess. But, you know, again, at the same time, you, you know, being able to recognize that it's not healthy to like party and do stupid things every day is probably good. <laughs> do you think that maybe moving around as a kid is what helped you make that decision as an adult? I guess. Yeah. A little bit just because like, you know, I was used to like remaking friendships and like associating with different people, but yeah, I guess you like, yeah, <laughs> I never really thought about that before, but yes, <laughs> I, I think, uh, Definitely played an, at least a little bit of an aspect just because, you know, being able to associate with different people wasn't new. And how do you feel now after after all of that as a person? I feel like I'm happy that I dealt with it now in my life rather than later. Um, I think a lot of people always have like a major life crisis. There's usually something that that happens. Everybody's going through something. And, you know, maybe it happens when you're 30. Maybe it happens when you're eight. But I think it definitely helps uh build like ideas to move forward if that you know if, if you're ever faced with challenges again it builds strong roots it it helps to build like character and what you value you know you kind of know what you want from life as well after that it's like you know you have like strong ideals so yeah i don't know i i guess I, i'm grateful that it happened and i was able to you know see the other side of it and what is it that you want from life huh that is a very hard question to answer. Do you know what your next steps are? No. <laughs> I'm kind of playing it by ear. I like I it'd be easy to be like, oh yeah, I want to be like, go do this. But I no, I if I'm being honest, I don't know. <laughs> Everything's up in the air right now. COVID's weird. You know, like even going to school right now is different. And uh like if I were to build on like a a like a cooking education um Right now, it'd be totally different than what it would have been, you know, three years ago or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know, playing it by ear, I guess, and just like kind of weighing options and like, yeah, just making sure that like I, I can help people is a big aspect. Like I, where I work right now really helps I enjoy uh, what they stand for. And, you know, they were involved with Roots a little bit, too. So I guess to answer your question, I want to be involved in positive things. That'd be all I could ask from life. If, you know, I, I could change people's lives and make them happy, that I, I couldn't ask for anything more. Okay, so we really appreciate you coming here to talk to us. Seems like you got a good positive outlook on life so far. Yeah, yeah. I hope it continues that way. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for coming to talk to us. Though. Thanks for having me today. Um, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to fit me in. Yeah, thanks for coming in. 
Growing Through It is a project of Roots to Harvest and a part of the Great Big Stories Project Through Frame, a global network of youth mental health resources. In today's episode, you heard Lack Williams and Shana Twantz interviewing a past participant of Roots to Harvest who wishes to remain anonymous. Roots to Harvest lives, works, and plays on the traditional territories of the Fort William First Nation people, signatories to the Robinson Superior Treaty of 1850. We strive to not only learn from and with, but also reconcile our relationship with the Anishinaabe people in this area who have cared for and stewarded this land for centuries. Each episode was recorded at Roots to Harvest in Thunder Bay with sound engineering by the folks at Podigy in Halifax. Growing through it is thankful for the mentorship and guidance from JL Chung and John Thompson. We also want to thank the brave folks who showed up to share their stories and let a larger community learn from and connect to their experiences.